Mind Gap Podcast. Welcome to Mind Gap Podcast. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And Doug, if you could be a fruit or a vegetable, any fruit or vegetable, what would you choose to be? Strawberry, because I'm delicious and most people like me. Only Pepper Potts is allergic to me. And I go good on most things, most desserts. Easily accessible, mildly annoying, because I've got that little green thing on the top of my head, a little, a little mop top. But outside of that, I just there's nothing like sitting down and eating a big old carton of strawberries. It's the goddamn best. That you had that answer, like so ready. You're gonna pretend that you don't. You don't have an answer. Go onion. Because okay. well, I it was nice it, doing I, this podcast. I make with it you. cry. <laughs> not for the reason that you want, and you know? not for the because you're. I'm gonna make you think. I'm gonna <laughs> make you think. I'm gonna make you what? think. I'm make right. you regret a lot of decisions. I'm an um, onion. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got a question for you, Justin. Yeah. Have you ever um, been so tired that you have a dream where you're absolutely tired in the dream? Wait, did you? Can I? I have not. But did you fall asleep in a dream? I is this where this is going? Did you inception yourself? I was dreaming, and I felt exhausted in the dream. Like I wasn't getting enough <laughs> sleep in the dream. I'm like, God, I'm so tired. I need to get some sleep. And I'm like, I am sleeping. And I woke up like extra tired. Yeah. So. That's the first for me. I was like, does that happen to anybody else? I, I, I feel like that's the beginning of Inception. I guess. I really do. <laughs> what? Inception is just like, no, it's just you tired in a dream. It's just, it's just you <laughs> extraordinarily tired. That's all that movie's based off of. That's all it is. Yeah. Just being super I, duper tired. I have a, a hard time remembering dreams to begin with. I, I, th- yeah. I you know, I, we've, got, we've been over this before. I am very jealous of how you dream because you're like, I can control my flying and I'm aware that I'm dreaming. And uh, it, for short bursts though, it's not uh, always, but still, uh, I don't even, re- I'll wake up and I'm like, well, that was a, uh, dreamless night. That was a rest. I rested. That was, that was allegedly. A I nothing le- else I happened. There's yeah. no, there's no record of it, but allegedly I rested. So I w- so what have you been doing that has you so, so tired? I mean, I just, whatever. I, I was, I, I felt tired. And then in my dream, I was also tired and it was excruciating to be like, yeah. God, I got to get some sleep and then wake up and be like, I was fucking sleeping. I just for some reason thought I was also tired in my dream. That's insane. Now, when you woke up, were you tired? Yes. So like you feel like you didn't get a, a good night's sleep. Because I was in the middle of REM sleep. So because of whenever I wake up after like, you know, the rapid eye movement stage and stuff and you wake up in the middle of a dream, it's yeah. always you feel groggy because your brain's active and everything like that. Yeah. If yeah. you wake up from core or deep sleep, it's not nearly as bad, but like your brain is active and going and then you're like, ah, you get woken up out of it. It's the worst. So was this a nap or was this like this was last w- night? This was waking up. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So this so you woke up needless that you woke up before you should have woke up. Yeah. Before your alarm was, clock went off. No, my alarm went off. Mm. And that's what woke me up. You were just on a slightly off your cycle. Yeah, I feel great. like you you keep such a, a specific schedule. I can't imagine that you. I can't imagine that you're you usually wake up in the middle of REM. Uh, I, I mean, feel like happens. your schedule's pretty tight. I mean, it just it depends. It's it's if you do you ever look at your watch and see what your sleep 
like cycles are throughout the night? I don't wear my watch while I sleep. What the fuck, Justin? I'm unburdened by technology when I sleep, Doug. Don't you want to know how you're breathing and what your sleep is like? I Well, I can tell you. I'm, I am breathing, and uh, I'm sleeping pretty deep because I'm not dreaming. <laughs> I'm in such a deep sleep that I don't dream. I, like to, I use my watch as my alarm. It just vibrates, and that's yeah. what wakes me up, and I fucking love it. It's, I it's like to set the one that, that's like the, the really abrasive loud alarm. I did that for most of my life. Put it and right next to now. my ear. I'm over that now. Yeah. I like to have the buzz, like just the vibrating on my wrist to wake yeah. me up. That's I prefer that all the time. It's the best. Well, if you do the uh, with the uh, iPhone, if you do the 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 actual sleep, like yes. you, you do the thing where you set like the number of hours and all that. That alarm gradually, it's all the sounds on there are super gentle, and they gradually build until they uh, yeah. are loud enough for you to wake. So that one, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with that one, but. I'm a big Truthfully, I get up because Beth gets up at like 4.20 to go to work. So that usually just wakes me up. And then you're up at that time? Well, no. Then I, so this is what happens. Then I'll put my watch on so I can like easily just check to see, you know, what time <laughs> it is. But then my, but then it always goes, oh, it looks like you're active. Do you want to like turn your alarm off? And I'm like, yeah. And then I turn it off and then I, then I just fall asleep and I get like 45 minutes. I'm in this weird, like in between phase. So that's probably why I wake up groggy. My sleep is weird, Doug. Yeah. And then your watch is like, hey, man, you should stand up. And you're like, ah, hey, leave me alone. Huh? Oh, leave right. Yeah. Don't forget, hey, you should stand up now. And you're like, God damn it. Nothing about my morning routine makes any sense, Doug. Let's yeah, not analyze I w- it. I would say it's, it doesn't make sense. So also it doesn't make sense if you just if you're watching this, you're only listening because there's, right. there's no video this week. And for good reason that I'm not going to tell you. No, uh, I'm headed out for a work trip this week and um, just didn't have enough time to actually do the full edit of everything. So we're still getting you some content, that free, delicious content, but it's just for your ears this week. Yeah. Nothing it's visual. Free. It's old school. It's for your ears. That's how we used to classic. do it when we posted it. Yeah. It's, this is classic mind gap. This was like pre, what, episode 210 or whatever? Something, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. It's just, just for your ear holes this week, so... Where are you are you allowed to divulge where you're going for your work trip? I'm going to fucking Las Vegas. <laughs> now, if you don't know Doug, that is the most not Doug city on the planet. Not looking forward to being there at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I I booked this work trip and I'm staying at one of the the major casinos and I just got a notification tonight. It's like, hey. It's probably going to be really busy at check-in. You should download our mobile app so you could check in online and get a digital key so you don't have to stop by the front desk. And I was like, you fucking dicks. Okay. And I did. Also, while you're on here, you can place your bets. It's also like, do you want to sign up to become a reward? No, I don't want to become a rewards member. I'm not coming back here, but <laughs> I do appreciate the convenience of being able to just be like, hey, right. get a notification. like, your room's ready. Here's your room number. Go put your phone up to the to the key to the keyhole i'm like thank you right. i would love to do that that's fantastic so i got to say yeah. that not i ever since they started doing that at hotels i have uh, thoroughly enjoyed not going through the proper check-in process and just yes. You walk in straight to your room, boop, you're in. I, I love best, not having to stop. It's the best thing in the world. It's like mobile ordering. Yeah. Like, uh, where you could be like, "Hey, I'm going to order and then I'm just going to come and pick it up." I don't have to actually stand in line. That's got to be good for everybody, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I imagine it being, you know, formerly working at a hotel, if someone's like, oh, we allow you to check in online, 
that would save so much headache at Absolutely. the front desk. It just reduces lines altogether. People can just fucking go. They just have to be like, is my room ready? Is my, you're not relying on someone to be like, fuck, is their room ready? Right. You know, they're just punching it in. Like they get a notification, they fucking go whenever it's ready. I, I love, I love Practical Doug is just, just rock hard at the, yeah. at the thought of this. It's the fucking best. I love, I love this sort well, of then, efficiency. Then you're presumably only helping guests that truly have an issue, you know, and, and then you or can focus on technolog- technologically unsavvy. Right. You know? Or they're like, hey, my phone doesn't say my room's ready yet. And you're like, that's because it's 11 a.m. Your room will not be ready till three. That's because that's a rotary phone, man. Like that <laughs> is not actually, I don't know why you're carrying this with you. I don't even right. think that's plugged in anywhere. So, well, this is what T-Mobile gave me. It's like, mm, I don't, I don't believe you. Do you want a bite of my I ham sandwich? A, I want a comp. Comp me. Because comp my room me. wasn't ready. It's like, ugh. What a horrible world to work in over there where everyone just wants free things. You, it's like, sure, give it to them so they can spend money at the craps tables, you know? Do you think the people who used to come into your hotel, uh, do you think that mobile check-in would have helped or hindered your job? Would have helped Truthfully. a lot. Would have yeah? helped a lot at the conferences when the conference folks came in. Because okay. the, it, it, this, whenever those days were the fucking worst, man. When there was times where I would literally spend two to three hours just straight checking people in, it was the fucking worst. It was yeah. ex- when it was done, you just like wanted to collapse and be sure. like, "Are we done? Is there anyone left?" <laughs> I'm assuming because you have to make like the bullshit small talk. Hey, where are you in from today? Well, huh? it's just it's just a routine. It's like you gotta you know someone comes in. Can I have your photo ID and your credit card? Got it. Bing bang boom. You gotta make sure that stuff's good to go. You gotta you know assign them the room. Hopefully the rooms are good to go because hopefully someone didn't fuck it up. And right, it literally was a game of Tetris. There's a screen you could pull up to see like what was available for how many days. And I got in the habit of when I got really good is I would come in and I would say I'm like all right time to play Tetris and be like where can I fit people because when there's a lot of people all staying at different times. Some rooms may only be available for one night. So okay. you have to make sure you capture, like, all right, who are our one-night stays? They have to be in those rooms. Got it. You know, where are there, where's their flexibility where people can stay for whatever? Or, like, it got the thing, it's like, if this room, if you pull up someone's reservation and there's a room assigned to them, you do not unassign those rooms. Like, you keep them yeah. you keep them there. And it got really stressful to have to do that sort of shit. And then it got to help you if there's groups. And you're like, Fuck. Although there was a great thing to be like, check in all the rooms for the group, and it would just go and check them all in. You're like, oh, thank God. So much easier. And Here's your collective like, keys, and get out yeah, of my face. Get the fuck out of here. Don't yeah. come back. I don't want to hear anything from you ever. Thank yeah. you. Enjoy your stay. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not super thrilled to be in Las Vegas. I'm not a Las Vegas guy. It's not my town. Uh, Doug, but, you can always uh, sit by the pool. Do some yeah. pool time. Pool, pool and read, man. Uh, the thing is like, I'm going to be busy for like the whole day and I don't know, maybe, you know what? I should pack my swim trunks just in case, just so to It's going to be nice at night. You know, it it is. is. Yeah. I don't give I'm sure they're going to be like, I'm so cold. It's 70 degrees. I'm going to be like, fuck, I'm going swimming. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good idea. I have to remind myself of that just to go and take some time and do some swimming. I plan on working out. So, you know, they're like, here's a picture of our gym. I'm like, you're lying to me, aren't you? Every gym picture, I'm like, this is a lie. There's mirrors. Is it? It's too good. This, no, you're making this seem like it's big, and I'm sure it's uh, not. Ah, I see. They are I never see. as good as they say they are. I was hoping with Vegas that the fitness centers would be actually legit, but you read what the descriptions are like. This sounds good, but it's never what you say it is exactly. Right. Because what I'm picturing is not what you are offering me. I'm pretty sure. So the last hotel I stayed in for work, I was like, oh, you fucking liars. You fucking lying. And 
I uh, went down to work out and the place was fucking packed and it was not that big. I'm like, I guess I'm not lifting weights this week while I'm here because I'm yeah. not dealing with this. I'm not getting up. Any, I got up at five every Jesus, day. Jesus, and it was still packed? And I was just like, fuck this shit. Like, I'm just going to walk for two hours. That's going to cover A bunch it. of overachievers. <laughs> I was like, you fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> so it's, I get to look forward those, to that. Uh, those there's a workout rooms with one cable machine and it's got busted yeah. plates on it and it's that like bench is ripped and yeah yeah it's like a solar you know what, this, what they call them the sol- the Bowflex you know the Bowflex yeah there you was got the Nordic track in, in the corner yes there's and that's the thing is they uh, they have tons of fucking cardio equipment and I'm like I don't give a fuck about cardio equipment man right I don't I have wanna, outside I don't, yeah it's warm here I'm gonna go walk <laughs> outside this is fucking bullshit. Right. I was like, where's your... But they, they had a sauna. I was bummed I didn't get a chance to spend some time in the sauna in there. But I was like, whatever, man. Fuck this yeah. shit. Fuck this shit. You fucking liars. You goddamn liars. Liars. Well, it's, it's even worse. It's like, yes, we have an exercise room and they don't even show you a picture. And you're like... Yes. Mm. That's suspect. Like, when Noah got married at, at his at the place, the hotel they had it at, I was like, this sounds pretty minimal. I went and it was literally a treadmill and an elliptical in a small room. That was it. And that's it? I was like, cool. To call this an exercise room is being quite generous, I think. You know, you can exercise in this room. Technically, True. exercise True. is done in this room. Yes. You know, I'm like, mm, okay, well, yeah. I guess I'll be walking. <laughs> if you want to do some uh, weightlifting, we've got this, uh, this cart of water jugs that need to be put onto dispensers. So feel free to yes. grab one and walk it down the hall. If you want, we've got this cart of towels. You can just yep. basically take them and deliver them wherever they want to go, and that can be your, your workout for the day, you know? There is no elevator, so feel free to take the stairs as many times as you want. Exactly. Yeah. Take that, you piece of shit. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm heading out for the week, uh, and I'll be back uh, for the weekend. But no video game stream this weekend. By the way, video game stream, I've got to tell you about this, Justin. Oh, did you guys do Jackbox? We didn't because so many people were out. So I made an audible and I played Spider Heck with Natalie for the stream. Oh, fun. Okay. So she, there was a new patch for Sp- Spider Heck that added a couple of levels, that added a couple of new weapons. And I just was like, hey, do you, do you want to stream with me? And she, her eyes lit up. She's like, yeah, I want to be on the stream. I was like, all right. So I killed the camera because you all don't need to see my daughter, you fucking weirdos. So, um, but we we just played and we had so much fun. It was an absolute blast. And a lot of people showed up. Uh, Seth was hanging out. Uh, Eric from the Dungeon Karens was there for a bit. Um, uh, Bree came by. Jill was watching. Um, who else? There was like we had like four or five people just hanging out there, just yeah. watching it. It's the the vod is available on youtubecom podcast. Go check it out. It was just a lot of fun with just the two of us. We did some co op at first, and then I, she's like, "I'm going to kill you." I'm like, "If you want to kill me, then let's just do versus. Let's just do this. Like, yeah. let's just fight each other." So how did you do death. that? Did you, did you have to pull out another keyboard or? So it's that you can, that is definitely recommended to play with a controller, and I have two controllers, so oh, we just got played it, got it. locally. You know, nice. I'm starting to change my tune on the local gameplay with natalie because i can play games with her now on my computer which is a a big deal so uh but she loves that game and we had a lot of fun there were some wild moments and uh by the end i think she was getting sad that she hadn't won and i was just like you're not gonna win it's not gonna happen you weren't gonna let her huh no like i i told her that i said listen someday you're gonna you're gonna win and it's gonna be awesome you're gonna legit legitimately beat me and i'm gonna be so fucking proud of you 
It's going to be awesome. Sweet taste of victory. I was like, I will be so excited and proud of you, and you will be so proud of yourself when you finally beat me. And yeah. But by the end of it, she was kind of getting bummed. I think she was getting frustrated. And I was like, hey, you're doing fine. Just it ain't going to happen today, all right? <laughs> Today's not your day, kid. No, it's, it's not okay. going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, she was she was getting pretty wild and having a good time. So it, yeah. was, it was fun. We had a really ah, good time. Cool. Yeah, it was a good time. Good, good stuff. I'm hoping, I think it'll be, so the next uh, stream will be Friday, November 3rd, and we're hoping to do the new Jackbox on that day. So nice. y'all should come out. You too, Justin. You should come check it out. I would, but I got uh, What I got are you guests, doing now? I got guests coming into town that this weekend. This guy is too I'm busy too busy living life and doing cool things oh. and playing games. This guy lives a full life of being outside like a good human. <laughs> Here's the thing. I wish I didn't because I want to – like Jackbox games is, is something that I can get on board with. You know yeah. what I mean? That's the kind of stream that I, all, that I enjoy joining. But, I say that in Among Us. Like those are the ones I enjoy having you be a part of. Oh my god, yeah. Or the uh, what's the the fill in the the movie uh, fill in oh, the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got a couple of them. There's Rift Tracks and there's also uh, What the Dub. Yeah, those What the Dub ones. is the one I've played. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are yeah. those are solid ones. Those are, those are the those are the type of games that I thoroughly enjoy yeah. meeting up for. Yeah. So I am I bummed, have, especially I since there's a new well, pack I haven't out. played this one yet, so I don't even know what games will be, you know, like Justin, you know, same thing because like Jill's like, I'll play. I was like, yeah, let me find which ones will suit you because yeah. there's some where I know Jill will thrive and other ones where she just won't give a shit. So I'm yeah. like, let me, let's let's hop in there and test this out with the crew and we'll find out what's good and we'll, we'll schedule another one and we'll have ourselves, you know, a good old time. Yeah, so we're gonna have to look. We're gonna have to look ahead and uh, figure out a, a Friday. That what's uh, your Q one of twenty twenty four look like? Well, Doug, uh, you know, after I pull all my reports and I balance the books, uh, looking like uh, maybe one weekend in January. I know that's annual review time. Yeah, so I know that's kind of a rough. You know, it's end of the fiscal year. You yep. know, it's kind of a. A busy time, so I'll make sure we get something on the calendar for you. I'll fax you over a couple of dates, and you just let me know like what you think will work. Thank you. I'll keep an eye out for the facsimile. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Natalie, I, I forgot to share this last week, and I told you this, but I want to make sure everyone else hears this because I think this is crucial information. So after we got done watching Rampage uh, for the last episode, yes, uh, we had time to watch something else and to start something else. So I said, um, actually, no, it was the second night we were watching another movie. And I was like, I've got an idea. I'll throw on some Star Wars. I'll throw on Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Hit play. And uh, I watched as Natalie's attention span slowly dipped and dipped and dipped and dipped to the point where when we're on Tatooine, the droids just landed. She turns over to me. She goes, Dad, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm really disinterested right now. And I was like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. But I was like, let's just watch a little bit more. It's going to get good. Okay. And we kept watching, and then she slowly slides off the couch, goes and gets some toys, starts playing in front of the TV. And I'm like, hey, look at that. Look at this. They're in Moss Eisley. Look at all those. Look at all Look at all those aliens. Look at that laser sword that guy's got. Isn't that cool? He's, hey, I was like, hey, like, like, like spider heck. He's got a lightsaber, right? Right? She's like, uh-huh. uh-huh. And then <laughs> we got to the part where, you know, uh, like oh no Alderaan it's gone ah what what do we do with that? 
And then we get to the point where they're like, that's no moon, that's a space station. And right as they sort of get captured, she's like, can we watch something else? <laughs> she was like, look, Dad, I've, I've tried. I really have. I was have. like, I mean, we're probably a third, if not halfway through this film. And if you're yeah. not into it at this point, um, yeah. She's like, let's watch Coco. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, let's watch fucking Coco. Let's do that. <laughs> I love the, my favorite part of this is the fact that she is so uh, worried about your feelings. Dad... I don't want to hurt your feelings, but can we watch something else? She's thoughtful. I appreciate that. She is. That. Like, no, what seven-year-old does that? That's fucking amazing. I, uh, it dawned on me that, you know, this was a movie I watched regularly growing up. That same, same. Things like Indiana Jones. Oh, and God. All these movies. And I've sat her down to watch those, which I would have been watching these at her age, and she is profoundly bored. And I'm also like, yeah, these are kind of boring. You know, are well here. Are they boring? Because we were watching those at her age. Are they boring, or has have we just come that far? Like I don't know if the movies are inherently boring, or if we've just come so far with uh, storytelling and movie production that they're seemingly boring in comparison. That's a good question. I mean, thinking about the stuff that she watches that you know keeps her entertained. I mean, we watched. Yeah. Two of the Planet of the Apes films. We've watched Marvel movies. Um, you know, she watches things like Bluey. She watches Aquanauts. Um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that we watch. I mean, God damn it, she watched the Hobbit movies. I mean, she's fine with those. Um, but for whatever reason, she sits down and watches <laughs> fucking Star Wars A New Hope, and she's like, I'm fucking bored. And I'm like, I kind of get it with that one, though. That... Of the original trilogy, and honestly, if I had to rank all of them, that's on the lower end of the spectrum for me, A New Hope. Like, I don't really enjoy that one a whole lot. I think part of it is because it actually does just look and feel old, and I know their budget was smaller on that one. I, sure. Empire looks just leaps and bounds better, and, you know, there's just, yeah, there's just so much more to it. So, like, I was just like, we'll start here and maybe we'll do, like, you know, our movie nights. We'll be like, hey, we'll watch Empire Strikes Back next. And then we'll watch, you know, Return of the Jedi. But it's also just realizing she doesn't have any context for this world or this universe. And she's like, it's like, hey, this is Tatooine. Yeah. You, I, I know what Tatooine is. But does she know what Tatooine is? You know, hey, look, the fucking Galactic Empire just dissolved the Senate. What do you think about that, huh? 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 Is Tell me what very, you think about these intergalactic is that, politics. Is that demogra- democratic? I don't think so. Hey, he used space magic to choke that guy who disagreed with him. That's not how you use our field. That's not how we solve problems. Right. right? That's not nice. That's not nice. Right. No, it's not. Hey, that guy, that's a Wookiee. You yeah? He's, yeah. he's the Chewbacca. He growls. You know? Now, I know she just called him a scruffy nerf herder, but you don't mm. ever say that at school. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. That's that, a home that is, word. That's a home. That's a home phrase. That that's we, a home phrase. Yeah. That we say, you know? So, it's like, look at these. Look at these droids wandering around the desert. Isn't this exciting? The Jawas got them. Ooh. <laughs> hey, Luke is out on the moisture farm, and his uncle is pissed that those droids aren't out there by noon. You know, right. there's going to be hell to pay. Whoa, Natalie, look, that milk's blue. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I'll say this. I do think, and I I had heard some statistics on this. I I can't remember uh, what I I had recently heard, but I found an article from 2014 from Wired, and they were talking about the average shot length of English language films has declined from about 12 seconds 
per shot in the 1930s to about 2.5 seconds today. That sounds about right. Uh, the Academy uh, event showed, uh, there's a, a graph here, um, and it said, uh, so there was a cutting found that an average of 1,132 shots uh, per film in a smaller sample of 150 movies made between uh, 1935 and 2010. The King Kong remake in, uh, had the most shots at 3,099 shots packed into 187 minutes. So mm-hmm. we're, and this was 2014. So we're getting even quicker and quicker and quicker. I do think that because of TikTok, because of movies having to keep up with that, because of all these, I, I, I think our attention spans uh, are just, are they're getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And when you've got someone who's grown up in that, we hey, came she hasn't from a, grown up with TikTok. She has. You're correct. However, she's grown up in a, a society that demands short attention spans from everything. So you, you know what I love? Uh, I love that we've gotten away with the opening title sequence. Most movies just we've, start we've now. Just done, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm for that. Yeah. Like when I watch an older movie and they're like, you know, starring, blah 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 blah. I'm like. I don't fucking. I know who's in this. Let's go. Move it along. It's a, it's a two and a half minute like animated yeah. opening to something. Right. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I just watched Speed the other day, and it's like you know, Speed. Dun 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 dun. Keanu Reeves and like slowly going down an elevator shaft. I'm like, oh yep. right, we did this in the '90s. I forgot. <laughs> we have to let no, you know who's in yeah. this and right. who the you know executive directors are at right outside the gate because otherwise. You know, we got to let you know who paid for this, you know? Yep. They they, they demand. They demand to be seen. Now, I, think- I don't mind. There are some great opening scrawls like Seven. Seven has a cold open, but then okay. it has a really creepy, like, intro sequence. Yeah, yeah. You know, letting it Isn't know. Doesn't it go through, like, forensic forensic stuff from the cases? It's, it's, or? it's uh, the John Doe is, like, you know, shaving off his, his skin and okay. writing in his journal and doing a bunch of stuff. And it's got a really, it's got a really uh, great remix of Nine Inch Nails playing as he's doing it. it's very gritty very yeah. visceral and it's like whoa it's setting the tone for what this fucking film is yeah you know? yeah but even like the um like the marvel movies most of the time you didn't get the title sequence until the till the end of like yeah the first credit sequence you know what i mean where it's yeah. like ta-da this is what you've been watching it's like oh yeah i've been watching thor <laughs> <laughs> and then you have context because they'll pull stuff from the movie and you're like oh this was cool oh very cool nice art I did enjoy that sort of stuff. I, yeah. I, I, I particularly enjoy the Captain America Civil War. No, Captain America um, Winter Soldier okay. like, animated sequence. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was really cool. But no, you're right. Like I, We've gotten to the point now where yeah. we kind of just, just think- go. Uh, and it, I, think that's, I think it also depends on the type of film. Um, Agreed. I think yeah. most box office, you know, blockbuster ones are going to be quick. They're going to appeal to most people to grab people's attention. I think if you watch... Um, you know, I just watched Inside recently with Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with that movie? The, oh, uh, sorry, I was thinking Inside Out, the Disney movie, not with Willem Dafoe. I do not. Uh, I am not familiar with, with Inside. Dafoe. Yeah, <laughs> whole different Disney movie. Disney really took a left turn on that one. Yeah, he yeah. plays. Uh, he plays. <laughs> What's? <laughs> oh, that's the one where he gets trapped. He's a thief, and he yes. gets trapped in the uh, condo. And slowly mm-hmm. starts going insane. I really yeah. wanted to see that one. Was it was much, it good? Much different, uh, and much different shots <laughs> than 
your typical ones. It's it's funny when you see like more of an art film. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, yeah, this is this everything is different. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> everything moves different, everything yeah. pacing, the shots and everything about that. Uh I'd say overall my it was it was okay. Okay. Um Willem <clears throat> Dafoe was fantastic. I Naturally, mean, that guy, yeah. That guy plays you know these solo like kind of maddening roles exceptionally well. He does yeah. such a good job. But uh, overall, I'm like, eh, it was fine. Just, I wouldn't rewatch okay. it. I wouldn't own it. It was fine. So, okay. I yeah. yeah I just I, especially from Natalie's uh, like the movies she watches are, are based on uh, are based for kids. So mm-hmm. most so uh, the, the assumption is that most kids are coming up on either TikTok or YouTube videos. Quick, 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 quick. So I think she's been conditioned, and I think we're becoming conditioned as the older we get, the more that we're consuming new content. We're becoming conditioned. But when we were younger, we could sit down and watch a movie that was drawn out and still be entertained by it. Yeah, I think it depends. I can't believe I used to watch Raiders of the Ark, man. Like, that movie starts out great. You got the temple run. Yeah. And then it's like, hard stop. We're going to slow the tracks down. Let's talk about, here's this teacher. Right. Absolutely. We're, we're going to go to class, basically. Who gets you know approached by a couple of government agents about the Ark of the Covenant. Right. And he starts talking about the Ark of the Covenant and its religious implications and history. And then it's like, I need to go to Nepal. Like, I just, whoa, talk about, we're going to really dip hard. <laughs> right. You know, but also that was based on, you know, adventure serials, you know, from, you know, everything <clears throat> was from where it was. Like, that had transitioned significantly from the older Stuff right. that Lucas used to watch and, and things like that. So it's it's a constant evolution Absolutely. Um, yeah. of where we come in, and I'm all for it. I can't stand when I'm watching a scene and it feels pointless to me. Like okay. I get really upset. I recently watched The Deer Hunter. Have okay. You ever watched that one? That's with, uh, isn't that with Willem Dafoe? And um, uh, it's a bit of Vietnam, right? Yes. Well, you're thinking of Plat- Platoon. I almost said Platoon. Oh, he was in Platoon, not uh, the Deer Hunter. Yeah, Who Deer, Hunter Deer Hunter is Robert De Niro and uh, Christopher Walken. Oh, Walken, Streep. yes, and they—that's the—they have the um, Russian roulette scene, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, that movie irritated the shit out of me. Um, okay. I'd never seen it before, and I watched it, and I was just kept going like, "We're a third of the way through the film. I'm like, when are we getting to Vietnam? Like." <laughs> This is a Vietnam movie, right? Like I, you know, I feel like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. I'm like, ah, this park does have dinosaurs, uh, correct? Like we are. <laughs> that's what this is. I'm like, where? Where's the Vietnam? So much of it was like, hey, here's this wedding, and here's all these side conversations. I'm like, this is gonna mean something at some point. And maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I had to put myself in the time frame of when this was released because there's been so many Vietnam movies, you know. Sure. Like, this was 1979. So many war movies and whatever, and it's just like uh, I watched it. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting this film. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, and the shots were so like, like everyone's dancing at this Russian wedding, this Polish <laughs> wedding. We're dancing, we're singing, we're getting real drunk. We're picking fights, we're running down the street in the nude, and then we're actually gonna go hunting. <laughs> here are these guys playing a prank on this guy who goes out to pee and then they're going to drive away and they come back, drive away and come back, drive away and come back. Oh, they're at the cabin. This guy didn't bring his boots. And now they're fighting about how he didn't. I'm like, what are we doing? 
What are we doing here? What like, does any of this mean? Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I just was watching that. I was like, I was trying to be really in the in the mindset of like, this is a classic, whatever. Think of the time frame, but I'm like, this is not, this is not working for me at all. Like, yeah, at all. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Um, <clears throat> I feel like, and some people would probably argue maybe f- for worse. Like, we've gotten more efficient. We're we cutting out a lot of the fat, yes. you know? It, well, we're playing to our audience's high. We're more so now playing to our audience's highest intelligence, assuming that they can keep up. Yes. You know, now I would say that I think we've lost some, we've lost some headiness in films. I feel yes. like back in the day there was, there was a little bit more maybe substance or, or maybe nuance. I don't know what the right word is, but I feel like now we're at least assuming our audience will be able to keep up. We don't have to spoon feed them everything. You yes, know? And, which I think is fair. I think that's good to treat your audience like they're smart because they are. Yeah. Um, and also it makes it fun to go back and rewatch things. Like I just rewatched uh, The Last Jedi and uh, I still think of the, the new trilogy, that one is the strongest. I know that's divisive. Some people were really pissed off at that movie, but I also have to say... Rise of Skywalker is the epitome of no but. Instead of yes and, they're like no. Maybe <laughs> right. even no, even no and or no but. I don't know which one's worse. Maybe yeah, yeah. no but they. they d- yeah, J.J. Abrams and the Studios absolutely were like no. Whatever. You didn't Whenever go Ryan where we Johnson wanted. built, they were like, no. Right. Because I look at all this stuff, I'm like, God, this is this this is good. This is a good risk. They they Ryan Johnson, you know, pushed it in a direction and then everyone just grabbed it and they're like, We're gonna course correct back over here. And right. most of what this movie did is completely irrelevant and pointless. And I'm like, man, this is fucked up because yeah. I like what they were trying to do with it. But going back to like the specifics, like the fight with Kylo Ren and, and Luke Skywalker, like they specifically show you shots of Kylo Ren digging his feet into the top of the salt, and you see the red, yeah. you know, as it goes along. And you see Luke come, and he, you know, lights his lightsaber. But you, you're like, wait, didn't that lightsaber get destroyed a few, like not that long ago? Like, if, if they give you really nice subtle things where it's like they show a close up of Luke's feet, and he's moving through the salt but nothing's changing beneath his feet no red yeah they're giving you all these clues as to that he's not there so when there's the big reveal it's like oh shit you were literally showing us yeah all of that you're also like he cut his hair (laughs) wow he cut cut his hair you're also like how did he get there there's all these questions that you kind of just let slide because you're like it's fucking luke skywalker he's there yeah he's just just, there yeah and you're like oh man this is fucking so cool and it's like oh he's just you know, he just projected himself there. Like, how cool! You like know, what, the what ultimate nice badass. Scene. Yeah, yeah. What what a cool little sequence of yeah. of that stuff. And just all he did was distract. Yep. You know, because what I think what people wanted, which could lead us into our next topic, Absolutely. the expectations of yeah. This is this is a perfect trilogy to right. go into that topic on. Yeah. You know, the idea, the expectation of like, oh, first of all, a lot of people didn't like Luke. At the beginning of that film, where he takes a lightsaber and just throws it over his shoulder, and he's a grumpy old man. And yes. I could see, because people are like, this is Luke. This is the hero that I loved. And people are like, yep. not my Luke Skywalker. You know, it's not mine. And they didn't like how he was. And I was, but once you find out, for me, once I found out what happened, I'm like, of course he would be this way. Of course Absolutely. he would be cynical. He would be jaded. He'd be like, fuck the Jedi. 
I'm going to die out. I came here to die because no one else needs to follow this bullshit. It's all hubris and whatever. And right. he's super grumpy about it. And then, you know, to see him also give one last hurrah at the end of it. And when he shows up, I think people, what they wanted was like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the video games force unleashed, you know, they want to see okay. Luke just like rip down all these mechanical monstrosities and just use his lightsaber. He even says it early in the film. He goes, what do you want me? What am I going to do? Like take down the first order with a lightsaber? Like, what do you, what do you think? Like he's literally being like, what am I going to do? Like, I, right. I, I, this is not, this is not going to go the way that you think it's going to go. Exactly, yeah. And I wish I appreciate in the film. Basically, like, it's him saying, what do you think this is, a movie? Right, you know? Yeah. I appreciate, actually, that he was kind of, like, just setting the tone for, like, this isn't going to go the way that you think. It's almost like he's telling the audience, this isn't going to go the way that you think it's going to go. It's <laughs> You could be talking to the audience, yeah. And, you know, that whole sequence I thought was great, and I understand why people were pissed, because that didn't go the way that they thought it would. You know, expectations... Right were high for something like a Star Wars where people are invested. It's part of their childhood. Some people, it's part of their identity. And they Mm -hmm. had expectations. And we've talked about this ad nauseum of like, you know, know, you've you've been good enough to be like, Doug, listen, you're going to have to get over how this was because uh, you didn't write this movie and you didn't make this movie and this is what it is. So if you disagree, you make your own thing, you know, but this is this is canon. All right, this is what happened. All right, for better or worse, yeah, it's what happened. All right, and you it's can happened, you can dislike yeah. it, but that's fine. But those expectations, especially for something like that, I mean, boy, what a what a nightmare! What they absolute were, well, nightmare! The expectations reached an unreasonable level. Yes. They they reached an un. There's no way the expectations were at a level that nothing that anyone put on film would have satisfied those expectations. Yes. It and, just and because every there were so many people who had those expectations. Yes. So no matter what JJ did, no matter what Ryan did, no matter what anyone did, it it just wasn't going to work. Yeah, it's it tough. Just, it just wasn't. Expectations lead to disappointments. Yes, I, it, expectations are a very dangerous thing to have. And that's kind of leads into this, this topic of um, uh, I recently, uh, if you aren't aware, uh, Blink One Eight Two came out with a new album called One More Time. Available now on Spotify and wherever you can get all your music, as if you needed me to say that. But Doug, are you a are you a Blink One Eight? I'm a big fan. fan. Blink One Eight Two. I didn't know that. Blink One Eight Two played a big part in my youth, and when I started learning how to play guitar, it was actually the album Enema of the State. I learned how to play every single song on that album, nice. uh, and it was it was huge for me. And that was very much you know my late teens, early twenties. It was Blink One Eight Two was a huge part of my life, so I was yeah. very tickled. To see that they had a new album with Tom DeLonge, Mark Hoppus, and Travis Barker all, you know, coming together once again to to put out an album. Uh, there's a fantastic uh, interview uh, that's available on YouTube. It's called Blink-182, the Zane Lowe interview. And in it, Zane spends about an hour and 15 minutes just chatting with these guys. It's a wonderful conversation. I highly recommend anyone goes and check it checks it out. But in it, he talks about how this album is you know years in the making you know when when they were younger they were making this music and as they create things they they create something they create something and and as 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 fans we have a certain expectation based on what an artist has put out before like for me enemy of the states probably my favorite album 
of Blink-182. I think Take Off Your Pants and Jacket is a close second. Dude Ranch is kind of a third. And then some of the newer stuff I like. I don't mind, but I'm not as into it as I was with like Enemy of the State. So anything that sounds like Enemy of the State is like, that's my shit. Yeah. So as they were leading up to this release, Blink-182 was letting out some sequels, uh, some singles and things like that. And the ones that I was drawn to were the ones that reminded me of Enema of the State. And I was sure. like, those are the songs that I'm looking for. The other ones, I'm like, eh, they're fine. Whatever. Well, I could take them or leave them. I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But in this interview, um, Zane says, you know, expectations leading up to this must have been high for this and how great it is that as an artist, you can make something, give it to the fans and say, you're welcome. You're, you, you should be grateful that I've created something for you to absorb and fuck your expectations. I'm an artist. This is what I'm going to make. And mm-hmm. when he said that, I was like, ah, you know what? He's, he's right. Like, they're they are expressing themselves in the way that they want to with sure. the art that they're making and how dare i be like you know i really wish this sounded more like an m of the state you know how dare i be like i wish you could write some more like that right. it's 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 a valid like sort of want you know but I should be grateful that they made another album together. I think that's fantastic. And you know, that's not to say, like, here, take this and enjoy it and like it. You better like it. You don't have to like it. But you should also be like, if you like what they did before, they are in no way, shape, or form required to do the same thing again. Exactly. That is that is their artistic direction. They're, they're the ones making it. If you fell in love with the artist, again, you don't have to like everything they put out. But you need to respect the fact that they are going to do their art. Exactly. Whatever they deem is the next phase of that. Yeah. And they deserve to do that. And as fans, that's kind of got to be the fun ride. I'm always nervous when someone I like or I admire puts out something new because I'm like, boy, I hope I like it. You know, because I get nervous because, you know, I want to support a band or a director or someone who draws or whatever, any of that stuff, an actor, like I want to support them, but you're not required to like what they do. But at the same yeah. time, I think as long as and I think there's a, this is, this is, this is a caveat to this. We should be grateful for what an artist puts out as long as it's authentic. Okay. As long as it is sincerely the thing that they're putting out. Right. Not to say that, you know, Hey, listen, uh, people can, you know, put out stuff for the sake of product, but I think we can all sniff that out really easily. I mean, we've seen Rampage, right? I mean, we've seen. <laughs> sorry, we was, certainly have. You know, like Fast and Furious films. I mean, come on, listen. There's probably some art in there somewhere, but at the same time, those those movies make money. You know, we know it. We know at least Vin Diesel feels very, very strongly about the characters and the family unit that they right. formed. Right. You know, but outside of that, everyone else kind of understands what this is. It's a right. cash. It's a cash machine. Yeah. Right. And and listen, I will say to some degree, there's nothing wrong with that because if people want to see it and they want to spend money on it, great. Look, if you're setting records with your films, something's something's working. Hey, you know, I like the Marvel movies, and listen, they are what they are. They're right. they're cash they're cash machines. I'm not right? saying they're high art. I'm I just mean, saying I enjoy them. As far as uh, comic book movies go, they're pretty fucking dope. Not so much yes. anymore, but you know, in that Infinity Saga, like 
what a ride. What an 11 year yeah. ride to go through that. And I was like, take my money, you know, take all yes. of my money and all that sort of stuff. But if someone is truly being like, this is, I'm creating something. This is a piece of myself. This is a part of who I am. This is part of my expression and it's authentic and they give it to the world. Then we deserve what they give us. You know, we deserve right. what they give us because that is a true part of themselves. Right. And I don't think that I, I struggle with the the concept. And I've heard some artists say this, and they're they're behind this sentiment, and some others aren't. And I I I'm, I struggle with where I stand on it. But the idea of I've made this thing. I'm an artist. I've made this thing. Let's say you're a musician. I've made this song, or I've made this album, and now I give it to the you know I put it out, and now it's it's your song now. It's the people's song. It's the it's my fans. It's their song, and I'm like it's not though. It's like it's your song. They may feel a, like they may feel a connection to that song, but there's no there's no ownership. Like the fans don't get to do what they want with it. Again, you are the one. The artist is the one who made that art, and I think that it's to to have any sort of expectation or feel of ownership over the art that someone else has made. I I disagree on that. Now, if this is and this is where I go back and forth. Can you say the same thing for a painting? I think that's where my that's where my uh, logic breaks down, because if you buy, if someone puts that out there, you buy that, it's yours no longer. The, the artist can't just come in and like change the painting if he wants to. Or she, or she. Sorry, they <laughs> cannot come in and change the painting if they want to. I apologize. A dick move. Uh, well, I would say this, you know, from a music standpoint, legally. That song belongs to the um, owner, well, yes. the master, and the publishing rights. So, uh, no, <laughs> consumers, it doesn't belong to you. Um, you know, yeah. So, um, I mean, I get, I get the sentiment of it. Is in general, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm an artist, but I would also say like people create things for others to enjoy or at least consume to some degree right like right some people could be like no this i make this for me i draw and i paint for myself i write music for myself it's like yeah but you're still showing it you're still singing it you're still performing it for people right like the, the I, I, maybe i mean i'd love to hit us up in the comments if you disagree but oh yeah the whole point of art is to be shared right like that's it, it doesn't not necessarily like on a global scale but to be shared to some degree like I wouldn't to write be a story. In, to be enjoyed, to, yeah. I wouldn't write a story to never let anybody read it. Right. You know, I wouldn't draw something to never show anybody. You know, I wouldn't write a song to never play it for somebody. I would I would need some sort of audience. And again, we're not talking about stadiums here. I'm talking it could be one or two people, but you create something for someone else to be able to absorb and, and witness and, and sort of, you know, to some extent just experience. So to some extent, is there art without an audience? I'm sure on a technical level, sure, but is it? Does it really exist? You know, <laughs> the tree falls in the forest. There it is. Yeah. You know, does the beaver, you know, celebrate a fa another fallen enemy? You know. <laughs> well, the beaver king of Tribor definitely celebrates because that you know he makes it easier to trap the beavers. That's right. The when they're going around Tribor looking for trees, looks yeah. and says, "There's beaver here. There's beaver to be had. <laughs> these beavers are taking down these trees. I'm going to take them down. Thirty hides thick." <laughs> really, the the beaver king of Tribor is just an environmentalist. He's just looking out for deforestation. Yeah, but he's also killing the creatures in the process. So you know, 
That's nature, bitch. <laughs> nature giveth and nature taketh away. Woo! But I think the idea of uh, of people feeling the ownership over over the art also gives expectation for further art. Like I think there's I think there's a little bit of a, 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 a tie-in or interwo- interwoven thoughts there. You know? Yeah, I think ownership is a tough is a tough word for me. Is that like I don't think fans own it. I think it depends on the medium, right? Because sure. well, again, yes, like because yeah. my argument breaks yeah. down when it comes to something specific is like paintings, or I'd also say even like movies, right? Like sure. And although people do make fan edits of films and things like that, it's it well, is well. There's possible. director's cuts and there's you know yeah right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like there's this thing that's out there and you you're you don't own it necessarily. You are appreciating it. You're observing it. You're experiencing it. So um, right, and that doesn't mean you can't have an opinion on it. You absolutely, absolutely. can. You could be like, yes. I don't like that. You could be like, this is the fucking best thing in the world for me. This is life changing. Yeah. This speaks to me. You know, it is what it is. Um, but to say that other people own it, I'd say that maybe they're part of the experience. But I don't know. I struggle with the idea that you know I made it and now everyone owns it. I'm like, this eh. is your song now. Yeah, yeah. This is everyone's joke. That I just right. made. It's like, mm, is it? Is it? I don't think so. I don't think that's. It's meant to be shared, but I don't think it necessarily like Im- implies ownership. But right. Yeah, I understand it is a part of a community. It's a communal sort of aspect to that. But yeah. you know, it's. I don't know. It's weird. But I, I find these like these moments of expectation to be um, very dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. I also listened to the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend episode with Dave Grohl, the bassist of Nirvana, and Steve Albini. And they were s- celebrating the 30th uh, anniversary of In Utero being released back in 93. And hearing them talk and tell stories about what it was like releasing Nevermind, their album that was a smash hit, and how they went from being basically nobodies and, and then 18 months later being the biggest band most popular folks in the entire world and what that meant as they were leading up to their sophomore release of in utero and what that meant for expectations from the record company what that meant for expectations from their fans and what that meant for themselves as expectations as artists and how they felt about preparing and what they wanted their sound to be like and what they wanted the songs to be like and um it was a lot it was a ton of pressure and i cannot imagine being in a situation like that where at that age too because they're young they're in their, yeah they were in their early, early 20s. 20s yeah you know it's different with with blink 182 and like these guys are in their 50s you know like late right. 40s early 50s and at this point they're like fuck you you're going to get what you want. You're like, we're adults. Right. We're going to do our own yeah. thing. But to basically be kids who are like, uh, our our album was so popular and we only they, the record company only put out 50,000 units and they had to stop production on all other artists to mass produce Nevermind because it was that popular. Now they're like, now make a second fucking album. Like, can you right. imagine the pressure? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, and uh, to, yeah. Is and it doesn't matter what <clears throat> you can put on the front of you know oh I don't care I'm just I'm just here to make my music but especially when you're that young yeah there is there is always a underlying if uh, if not you know unspoken hidden element 
of I really want people to like me. It does not matter how how badass you seem on the outside. There's always that insecurity lurking on the inside. And not only with age, you learn to temper that and you learn to, to, to sometimes harness it and how to work with that. But as a young person, it, it definitely is there, especially when you have a meteoric rise like that. And so that added pressure of also being, like you said, that age and having to come up and figure out something. Because the last thing you want is just to be booed off stage the next time you go on yeah. or to... Just to be ripped apart in the in the uh, you know in the in the press, like that's, especially that's ab- if you're sincerely creating something, trying and, to put your your art out there, and you put it out there, and people are like, "Nah, man, we want more spells like Teen Spirit." You know, it's right. like, all right, but we did that, you know, and, right? Uh, I find songwriting to be so much more fascinating in a sense of like you can pull on so many different elements of what you're going through in your life, you know, sure. And tap into those different things and, and, and find those stories to tell and and creative ways to tell it. You know, the Blink-182 album is encompassing of so much of what they've struggled through over the last several years with Mark getting cancer with Travis almost dying in a plane crash, you know, to, you know, Tom going through a divorce and a lot of that stuff just, comes really out in the songs there's also just fun silly songs you know yeah. just like the good stuff or whatever but you know there's there's a lot of introspective stuff that they tapped into to write and put out there and the same thing with nirvana they're like you know these guys that i think truly artistic and, and want to put together these things that share a part of who the, who they are and to put that out there and you know when they're done recording the album they send it to the record company and the record company goes you're fucking kidding right like <laughs> this is right. what this is what we're doing and they're like yeah they're like we're not no yeah i can't imagine having that discussion right with someone and you have to stay to try to figure out how to stand your ground at that yeah. age against executives yeah or it's, it's no, no different than like making a movie and giving you know mm-hmm. the dailies or a rough cut to the studio and the studio being like no this isn't what and you're we like wanted. yes and they're like no you're like yes and they're like no <laughs> This movie needs to have more venom in it. It's like, this movie's not about venom. It's about Sandman. They're like, yeah, but the kids love venom. It's like, (sighs) okay. All right, let's get venom in here, you know? And (laughs) yeah, that that constant, we talked about it too, just like business versus art, you know? Oh, yeah. There needs to be a good balance of both, but dear God, like. (laughs) It's really tough to thread that needle. It is so hard to thread that needle. Yeah. And yeah. I think I, I do appreciate um, someone who has the uh, if they can find the strength to to push through the critics and, and the naysayers and come out with if they come out with the first album and their second album sounds very different because it's they're like, I wanted to experiment with this new sound that I'm finding inspirational. Like I really this is this new sound is really feeding my creativity right now. And this is what I'm feel- like. Again, I may not like it, but I love when an artist does that because sometimes you get that that nugget of gold and you're like, shit, this really worked. And wow, what a versatile artist. And then, you know, other times you might go, well, this isn't what I fell in love with, but you got to be able to respect it. Because like you said at the beginning of this, this is what they're this is what is speaking to them right now. This is what's resonating. This is what they wanted to put out. Yeah. And this is what you got. Yeah, I heard uh, when I was in grad school for music business, there was this really obnoxious old man that I kind of wished would just go away. Uh, his name was Chuck Suber. I'm sh- I'm sure he's long gone by now. I mean, the guy was okay. in his 80s at the time, but he was this guy who had been in the business forever, and he just was like 
full of so much ego and his I could just go on forever about what I didn't like about him that's not the point of the story the point of the story is he gave a definition of an artist early on and I'm going to butcher the exact wording of it but essentially he defined an artist as someone that has an uncontrollable urge to create and share their art with the world I think there were some better descriptors in there, but essentially there's someone that is ultimately compelled to create. Like they have no other option in the world. They have to create something and put it out there. And when I think about, again, these artists, like Dave Grohl gave some great examples of like Weezer. Weezer had a fantastic first album, the Blue Album, one of my favorite albums of all time. And then their follow-up, Pinkerton, was not as well received because everyone's like, I love the Blue Album. And then you get to Pinkerton, and there's some really raw songs on that album. And sure. there's also some fucking bangers on that album. Tired of Sex, one of my favorites. Uh, you've got, uh, what was it, uh, El Scorcho, fucking fantastic song. Uh, there's a lot of really great, just fantastic ones, but it's not the Blue Album. Yeah. It's different. And it's something that, you know, they were exploring. Same thing with Bush. Bush had a great album, 16 Stone, one of my favorites growing up. Their follow-up wasn't 16 Stone, you know? Right. And as much as I wanted it to be 16 Stone, it wasn't. And I, I remember not enjoying that album as much. Um, but looking back on it, I was like, that was their... They're like, whatever, this is what we're doing now. Their need to create right. was this thing. Yeah. And how they went about it and everything like that, whether or not people loved it the way that they had... I mean... Whatever you know, I I would feel horrible if I if I was like, can you imagine being put in a box where it's like this oh, is yeah. what you have to do? Well, I I think I was going to say an example of that where someone kind of rides the line, and I think in, in the beginning this is kind of what they wanted to to play, but I think then the expectation to continue to be this got to such a point. The Beatles they mm-hmm. took a they 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 you know it was six or so albums of kind of this roughly the same stuff. Then they disappeared for a year and then they came back or, or seven months and they came back and they had long hair and they had beards and they were like, cool, this is what we're doing now. And people were pissed. They were yeah. like, where's the sexy, I'm, I'm, you know, all the young girls were like, I'm not wet no more, you know? And uh, it was just, it was, it was weird and, you know, ethereal and these weird sounds and a sitar and what the fuck is that? And who's... You know, what is what is a strawberry field forever? What the fuck are you talking about? You know, yeah. but they got a chance. They were like, this is this is what we want to explore now. We want to get real fucking weird and, and start fucking around with how we're recording. Let's yeah. put the mic over here. Let's do some phasing. Let's do like they started to really open up about. And they, I, I in a more recent uh, example, John, uh, John Mayer, mm-hmm. you know, did Room for Squares. And then did like one, I think Continuum, and then maybe one other album, which was all kind of the same teeny bopper, you know, love songs. And then he came out with the John Mayer Trio, and everyone was like, what is this? But it was him fucking shredding on the blues and jazz. And it was amazing. And you're like, oh, fuck, this guy's a legit musician. Right. Holy shit, this is, and he's like, cool. I did the things that got you to notice me, and now look at what else I can do. And it's it, that's got to feel good to kind of shed that and then just do what even if you catch a little bit of ire for it yeah it's got to feel good it's got to be like that with with actors who are maybe stuck in a fucking the sure. six, the 16th season of a tv show <laughs> and they're like jesus christ i want to do anything else but this i want to be in a movie 
right. I want to try my comedy chops or I want to try to do like a serious like drama or whatever. Sure. Like they're just like aching creatively to do something else. Like this pays my fucking bills and will pay my bills until I die. But right. I'm dying inside creatively because <laughs> this is this is brutal. This is absolutely yeah. brutal. And um, I can appreciate that to some degree of just being like, I can't imagine trying to create on something that you don't have the passion or the heart for. You know, I think yeah, that's where you absolutely. see some performances. You're like, doesn't feel like they're in it. It's like they probably weren't, you know, right? they're, they're grinding it out tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is what it is, you know, and that's, kind yeah. of, I think part of the, that I'm sure there's elements of that too. With artists, we talked about this before, like bands are like, play that song that was has been popular for 20 years. They're like, Oh my God. If I have to play Living on a Prayer one more fucking time, I just don't care about this song anymore. Right. Or when bands are like, I'm retiring this song. Just so you know, right. we're not this last time. Enjoy it because I'm not playing it ever again. Fuck this right. song. You know, like I think it was Brenton Urie from Panic at the Disco was playing uh, I, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies or whatever. Yeah. And I, he was just, he was about, the song was playing and he was about to start singing. He goes, I fucking love this song. And he was like, just so agitated. Like, here we go again. This fucking song that I have to fucking sing. I'm losing my fucking mind. Like, well, cause you think about when they're doing it. Yeah. When they're doing a tour, you're doing it night after night, after night, after night. And everyone wants to hear it. Cause it might be the first time that they've heard it live. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's the, you know, 10,000th time you've heard it live. You've performed it live. I in with haven't you people ever heard of. He's like, fuck this song. Like, yeah, that's probably Just why they, they get so creative with it sometimes live. They're like, I cannot keep playing this the same way every fucking time. Absolutely. Like, I, I can't, I can't do up. I can't do a record uh, version of this anymore. Yes. It's like yeah. I, I'm losing, and just imagine like a band that's been around for decades, and they're like, yep. "Play that song!" And like, but Fuck. then you've got the other bands like the Stones, who mm-hmm. are still touring and genuinely still love playing their hits. Yeah, of course, and they've been playing it for sixty years. Yeah. You know, it just so it it. I guess it all depends on and the person. You also got to sit there and think. Uh, those artists are the ones who sit there and think, "I'm making a lot of money off this. I can play it one more time." Right. We're, we're yeah. gonna do we're gonna do 12, 12 arenas. We're gonna do like four shows per arena. Like we're gonna right. be okay. Like well, you know what? Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll every show's gonna be different. Yeah. So I think Metallica did that recently. They went to like L.A. or whatever, and they played like two shows. And see, that's cool. And they have so many songs. They're like, yeah. Each show's gonna be different. Which is also gonna be like, should I go to both shows? You know, like. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you know. Well, you that's why the, that much of that's why the Swifties go because yeah. I guess you get you get secret songs in each show. I just found out, and so yeah. you like which which ones did you get? Then it becomes a, you can trade the information, and it's it's a whole I don't thing. Want, yeah. I don't want to talk about that. Just I'm me. just saying, Doug, you gotta get you gotta talk about all artists. I you do, you do. I saw a video of I think we're gonna do one quick thing, and then we're gonna move on with with this real quick. I think the ick I get from the Taylor Swift fans is the same ick I got from Twilight fans and it's like older white women it's the ick I get from them because I just saw a video of these women in the nosebleeds I don't I just I'm describing the video I don't care if you're front you know front and center or whatever but they're way up in the middle of nowhere they were dressed to the nines and they were stomping and dancing and singing to the song. And something about it just made me want to just like have massive diarrhea. There was just something about it. They were like had to be at least in their 30s, if not older. And they were just like, bah, bah, bah. it just reminded me of like this 
picture of this woman saying like Twilight Moms, like or whatever. I'm like, you're what should that should say is I'm a predator. Is what it should say. Like just these these women that were just like, I love this story. It's so good. It's just there's something about doesn't uh, sit with you. It doesn't sit well yeah. with me. And it's not practical, is what you're saying. It's not practical. Nice job. I'm not done yet. It's not practical. <laughs> and there's a level of like, I think Jill Jill definitely hit on this when when she was on the show. Is that I don't care about Taylor Swift. I don't care whether you like her. I don't uh-huh. care whether you hate her. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. And when it's forced into my world. Uh-huh. That's where I start getting angry. Like I'm religion. Like, yes. Like, I don't want this. If I wanted this, I would seek it out. But when sure. all of a sudden it's like encroaching into my universe, I'm like, fucking get out. And if I can't avoid it, I start getting mad because I'm like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't seek this out. It's invading. And now I'm starting to dislike it because it's invading. Not unlike the beavers invading the forest and chopping down the forest. <laughs> stuff is stupid, stuff is dumb. Doug hates stuff. You got the questions, we got the answers. All you do is ask. Practical, 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 practical. Ask practical Doug. I'm gonna go. <laughs> Uh, See what happens when I have control of the soundboard. I mean, I always have my, control of the soundboard, so it always happens anyway. But one of my favorite sequences, I think, that we've done in recent memory. Pretty good. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys have never been here for Ask Practical Doug before, you are in for a treat, especially tonight, because you can't see Practical Doug. You just hear Practical Doug. Don't worry, baby. I'm here. So Practical Doug is the small Doug that lives inside Big Doug, and he helps guide Big Doug in all of life's questions, all through all of life's questions and its quandaries and its quagmires. And you can ask Practical Doug a question, too. On uh, social media, uh, you can at MindGapPodcast and hashtag AskPracticalDoug. I can't speak tonight Dude, just for take, some take a breath. Take a, take a moment. Breathe in. Access your artist center. And then Hey, man, breathe. we also got a Discord. Yeah. Join that Discord. Mm. On there, there's channels. Look through those channels. One of them is Ask Practical Doug. You can ask Practical Doug a question on that channel. It's all good. And if it's a really good question, we might answer it on the show. You know? That's how it goes. But today, He's a cool we're dude dipping right back. Now. You're a cool dude, we're, and I love it. We're, <laughs> we're dipping back into the, uh, the, the Reddit-verse. We're doing another Am I the Asshole? And Doug, today's Am I the Asshole comes from Heat cool, fifteen twenty eight. Also known as hot ice. (laughs) It's a the name itself is a dichotomy, Doug. Hot ice. Hot ice. One five two eight. That or they're just a big fan of HVAC. I don't know. You know. You know what this? (laughs) There they have. I I run a repair service Mm -hmm. in Bald Knob, Arkansas. (laughs) Bald Knob. Uh, am I the asshole for not letting my son play with his friends after the friend's mom said my sister will go to hell? There's a lot of relationships and touch points to unpack here. So let's get into this. Mommy. I, 37 female, am a mom to three boys. My middle son, Leo, who is a 10 male, is in the fourth grade. (laughs) 
Sorry, he's just like he's a ten. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, no, no, he is 10. Leo. Leo slays. Uh, <laughs> Leo's in the fourth grade, and his best uh, his best friend's family is very religious. <clears throat> Leo Uh-oh. often spends time at his friend's house, and I know the friend's mom has talked to him about religion before. She even took him to church along with his friend a few times. Leo had some interesting questions after that. I didn't think uh, any of this was a problem because I've told my boys that a lot of people believe in different things and it's important to make sure that you have all the facts before deciding whether to believe in something. I've had some bad experiences with religion, but I haven't shared this with my son. I'd rather he gets an unbiased view from me. Anyways... He's a bright kid, and he understands this, so I don't mind him being exposed to other people's religious ideas. My sister passed away suddenly a few months back, and we attended her funeral last week. It was tough. Yesterday, Leo was at his friend's house for dinner, and he seemed upset when he came home. I asked him uh, I asked him what happened. He said his friend's mom had said that his aunt would have gone to hell because she didn't believe in God. He seemed worried, and I reassured him it's not true. I said, if God does happen to exist, I'm sure he wouldn't send my sister to hell because she was a lovely person. This made sense to him, so he let it go. But I was absolutely furious, and I told him that I didn't want him to go to his friend's house ever again. He got really mad, said I was overacting, and told me to go to hell. He said I can't. Uh, I said I can't stop. Uh, he said he can't stop me from. I can't stop him from being friends with his friends just because. Uh, the mom is stupid. I said, you'll see your friend in school, but you don't want to ever see this mom again. Now, uh, the rage is cooled. I wonder if I'm being unfair to my son. Am I the asshole? This is a tough one. This is a tough one. There's a lot going on here. This is a tough one because, first of all, I respect uh, Heat Cool 1528 because um, this is kind of my approach to things in that I want my child to experience life with as little of my bias as possible aside from like, hey, don't be a fucking dick. Someone in her class has already uttered the N-word, and I was like, let's take Ooh. a moment and say, explain to you why you should never, ever say this word. That is right. a terrible word, and here's why. And we you know, we, we had a good conversation about that, and I was also like, what's that kid's name? Because you're going to fucking stay away from them, that's for sure. Absolutely, because yeah. Because that ain't cool. Um, but I want, you know, for all of my parents' flaws, they never really pushed a lot of stuff on I me. Mean, my mom... She's relatively religious, and I went to like a Catholic kindergarten and like a Catholic school for two years, first and second grade. And after that, it's like this school kind of sucks, so we're going somewhere else. Um, I never knew their politics about anything until I got older. Like, they were just basically like, go do whatever you're going to do, experience it, and kind of find your own way. And I appreciate that to some degree. And Natalie has asked me some questions, roughly, you know, like things like, you know, who invented, you know, humans. You know, and I was like, well, there's a lot of different thoughts about that. One that I technically believe is evolution and yada, yada, yada. And she's like, uh, well, who, you know, whatever, who did invented evolution? I was like, nature, who invented nature? I'm like, great question. Who invented the universe? Great question. And I just, I, my answer is like, nobody knows because anyone who says they know is full of shit because right. they don't know. Um, Natalie, I, do you like, do you like spaghetti? Do you like spaghetti? Do you like you monsters? Do? <laughs> Do you like spaghetti monsters that fly? <laughs> um, but the, the point of that is that I, I do, I get concerned when I see parents like just downloading stuff into their kids' brains of like, sure. this is how, you know, like even things like you should like the sports team. That's yeah. a pretty innocent way. The kid's like, yeah, I grew up as this fan. I was like, yeah, you didn't have a choice. 
Right. Because your family was like, this is who we are. It's like you didn't get to choose whether or not you like the team. It's just everyone's excited you want to be a part of it. With something like this, I do have concerns that something like this may come up at some point in time. But I feel totally prepared to have this conversation. Like, if this was me... And Natalie came in and was like, you know, you know, say my brother passed away and it's like, you know, this Natalie's good friend's mom was like, oh, it's, you know, <laughs> Dave is in hell. I'm like, well, I mean, I'd be like, don't worry. Do you know why? Because hell's not real. Right. <laughs> Dave, I don't believe in, in hell. In, Dave didn't believe in hell. Right. So he's fine wherever he Dave, is. Dave's in hell, but it's not because he didn't believe in God. Yeah. It's, uh, it's circa 2002. There's some stories. Um, no, I, I would just be like, well, that's their opinion. And yeah. uh, I don't believe in that. And Uncle Dave sure as hell didn't believe in that. So, right. um, you know, and I would also go down that path, too, where I'd be like, why? So why did they say Uncle Dave's in hell? Because he didn't believe in a God. I'm like, that sounds like a God I don't want to believe in. If they're mm-hmm. going to punish me for not believing in them, I find that sure. to be pretty flawed. If there's an all-powerful being that's like, he doesn't believe in with me, throw him to the bad place. I'm like, yeah, that's just, I'm not even going to subscribe to that. And if this person is all hung up on that, then whatever. I would be concerned about letting Natalie hang out there more because I would be concerned because if she came back upset mm-hmm. because of this thing that this person said, I'd be like, I don't really want you to go over there anymore because... I'll go over there with you and I'll gladly have a conversation with him and be yeah. like, what wizardry are you going to try and instill in my child today? What magical theories are you going to do it? Because I'm not here for it. All right. Cause she doesn't yeah. understand. Imagine that you don't know anything about this. And someone goes, you know where your, your, your cherished relative went. They're in a yep. burning lava place that has devils and stuff poking at them and they're just being absolutely tortured for eternity because they didn't believe in these things that sounds fucking terrifying absolutely and they don't have the context of the world and it'd be like they're in hell like how could you say that to a child just to be like you know these are the same people that probably want to ban books because there's a gay person in them you know they're like oh my god they can't have access to this. That's terrible. But they'll tell a 10-year-old, your aunt's in hell because they didn't believe in God. Do you know what right. hell is? Let me show you some pictures, you know? And I, I, I find that is to be poor judgment on a parent. If someone has died, console them. Like, I'm really sorry for your loss. Like, that sucks. Do you need anything? Is there anything I can help you with? Yeah. If I had a kid come over that was super religious... And that happened. I would offer them my condolences. And if they want to talk about religion, I would be kind, but I wouldn't fucking engage too much with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, but I would find I find that incredibly upsetting that uh, another friend's parent would just fucking say that to a kid that doesn't understand it. And I'm sure they feel like they're on a mission to spread the good word or whatever. Yeah. But I would question that person's judgment, just like I would question a parent's judgment that has a fucking gun and doesn't yeah. take the proper protocol to lock it up. That's an extreme example. That's not exactly apples. No, to no, apples. I, 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 get, I hear you though. But I'm like, if, if a parent like that, I would be like, listen, I'm glad you're friends with this person, but this is a tricky situation because I don't trust their parents. Right. So I don't care if you hang out with them at, at school, but I, I don't feel comfortable with you going over to their house because right. this sort of stuff is like, and again, I'm not saying you can't be friends with them, but no sleepovers. Um, you can't. They can come over here, but I don't want you going over there. And you I guys can I, go to the park if you want. You can ride right. your bikes around. Do it. Yeah. yeah, outside is fine. Yeah, I just I'd be like I just don't 
you know, I don't feel comfortable anymore with you being around them because this, this is, this is problematic to me that this person would say this and upset you in that way. And, um, I don't think it's fair to you to have to subject you to that. And I'm happy to talk through any and all of this with you, whatever you want to do. I'm here for you. Still, you're still friends with them. I just don't want you going over to their house anymore. I think that's a fair trade personally. I absolutely. Yeah. I would say as far as this, uh, am I the asshole question goes like, Absolutely, this woman's not the asshole. I think mm-hmm. we can we can agree on that. Yeah. Like you are not the asshole for 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 this. What adult, religious at what adult just offers up at the dinner table? Your aunt's in hell. That's just fucked up. Like yeah. religion aside, that's just a fucked up thing to say yeah. in general. Like. Yeah. What what are you doing? Like it, it, this this person's already grieving. Why the fuck would you take it to that, that point? How do you come to that conclusion? Right. Do you know anything about this right? aunt? Probably not, which means you had to ask questions. You had to be like, "So, your aunt, mm-hmm. did they go to church? No. Did well, they believe in yeah. God? No. Well, they're probably in hell." No, oh, I got bad news for you, kiddo. What? Leo, your aunt is damned. Yeah. It's like, what the f- again? How is that being a good human or being a right. good Christian or being whatever? How yeah. is that being kind to that person? I'm sure right. to some extent they're like, well, see, this is a teaching moment because your aunt's in hell. I don't want that to happen to you. Right. So you should make sure you follow these rules that our family follows because they feel incumbent upon themselves that they have to go and you know yeah. save fucking people's souls. And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I don't know what you're eating over there, but I'm sure I can cook you something better anyway. So I... I had an experience about this when I was when I was younger. Did I ever tell you about the when I, I was at the donut shop with my grandparents? I don't think so. No. So uh, my <laughs> in the Quad Cities, I was I must have been young, five, six, seven, very, very young, and uh, they would always go to the donut shop every. Uh, I think they walked over just about every day, and they were regulars there. So they were watching me one day, and we went over there, and uh, we were sitting there. They're very. They were very, very religious. And uh, at the time, I was sitting there with my milk and my donut, and uh, you know, Grandpa goes, uh, "So let me ask you: Have you accepted Jesus into your heart?" And I, like again, at like whatever age I was, I was just like, "I want to house this donut." And how I want how, another how one. old would you would you guess you were? I, again? Like five, six, seven. I was, oh, I was, Jesus. I was young. Yeah, Oof. I was young, young enough to be like, "This donut is all I care about right now." Right? Like that's 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 the mentality where I was. And I, I was like, I, I, I probably older than five. I was probably around, I, I would say seven. Seven for some reason sticks out to me. But Yikes. I was like, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, he's like, well, you know, if you, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I accept you into my heart, and he'll, in, he'll, he'll, he'll uh, reside he'll in your heart, you. and he'll exactly. I was trying to say it in not a creepy way, but he'll reside in your you. heart, and he'll, he'll, uh, you know, this and this and this, and now you'll be, you'll be cleansed, and da 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 da, and. I think just to, <laughs> I was so intent on like, can I just get back? So I'm like, Jesus, I accept you in my heart. And then I just started eating my donut again. But I was like, again, like it was kind of a, it was kind of a bullshit move a little bit, you know, to, I was like, you, you had, you had a captive audience. You got me with sweets. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, we went down this road and I'm like, I don't know about this. So I had it, a similar thing in, in when I was in Catholic school and they, they would do these like weird meditations where yeah. they're like, all right, close your eyes, and you're going to go inside your heart box. It's whatever you imagine it to be. It's inside of you. It's in your heart box. And then they're like, and now when you get there, uh, Jesus is in there waiting for you. You know, he's he's already there. 
Check that corner. Jesus might be there. <laughs> he might be Boom. there. And I remember visually like imagining myself swimming like through my bloodstream and coming up to my heart. And there was like three. Di- I had three different entrances into my into my heart. Like, Which one am I going? Am I going in through the ladder down below? Am I going through the top? Am I going through the front door? And Jesus would just be in there like having coffee and reading the paper. <laughs> That's what I imagined. <laughs> He's like, hey, Doug. He's like, oh, hey, good. You're here. I'm bored. Did you bring me anything to do? Right. Like. I've been trapped in your fucking heart. I'm so bored. (laughs) Oh, you took the ladder entrance. That's fun. (laughs) That's cool. I wish I could leave, but I can't. Kill me. (laughs) End this pain. I go in there. He's chained to the radiator. He's just like, why won't you let me leave? (laughs) Teacher said I can't. He said, you have to stay here. He's like, I don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) This job sucks. (laughs) It's not fun. Do you know how creepy Uh, it is for me to be chained into your heart? Who who thought of this? This is a terrible idea. Oh, why did you have to say my name three times in the mirror? I don't like it here. This is a a trap. Um, Yeah. So, uh, he cool? You're not the asshole. You're not the asshole. It's decided. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's me. It's, 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 it's decided. There we go. Nice. Perfect. Nice. Perfect. Perfect indeed. All right, Lusty Justy, what do you got to recommend this week? Uh, this week I'm going to recommend The Fablemans. Uh, it's the Steven Spielberg uh, flick that is pseudo-autobiographical uh, about a young boy growing up in the 50s learning to love cinema. And uh, it's a really it's a really fun movie. I would say amazing performance. Beth is not a huge Seth Rogen fan. And at the end of this movie, she's like, that was a really good job by Seth Rogen. So, like, everyone brought it in this. Paul Dano's in it. Uh, Michelle Williams. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a good movie. It uh, is very, it's just got, it's got that touch of Spielberg that you're just like, yep, that's, I'm watching this movie. There's, there's that, uh, that Hollywood just sheen to it. And uh, it's just, it, it's an interesting uh, story, story too. Um, so, yeah, I would say The Fable Means. You've never heard of it? It won an award. Not. It won. It was a. It was a big fucking movie last year. It wasn't an award for most uh, well-known movie. That's for sure. I'll tell you what. Uh, yes, but the Fablemans. I would strongly recommend it. It's a really good watch. Where can they watch it, Justin? On Showtime. Uh, Showtime anytime. Uh, if you've got a YouTube Premium subscription, you can do that. Also on Hulu Premium subscription, Fubo, the Roku channel, Amazon Prime Video, Paramount Plus, Apple TV. You can buy it there. Redbox. You can rent it for fourteen ninety nine. Google Play, movies and TV, Vudu, uh, and yeah, that's uh, you know, and anywhere else. <laughs> and other places. And other non- places. And non legit places. There you yeah, go. it's rentable. All right, I'll have to check that Dougie, out. Dougie, what do you got? I tr- you're one of the people, like, I trust your recommendations, so thank you. I appreciate that. I, yeah. Maybe I'll watch that on the plane tomorrow. Who knows? You know what? I would say it is a good plane movie. All right, there we go. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend what I recommended earlier, which is the Blink-182, the Zane Lowe interview on YouTube. Uh, if you're a fan of Blink-182 at all, uh, this is such a great just dive into these guys just being open and honest and talking about the good times, the bad times and where they are. And, uh, Zane is a obvious huge fan of Blink-182. He's like, he's, 
rides that line of like Chris Farley when he's interviewing people on SNL. Where he's like, hey, you know, he's a fantastic interviewer. Don't get me wrong, but he's got that yeah. energy of like we're hanging out and talking, and yeah. this is so cool. Like almost I, like he can't believe he gets to talk to these people. Yeah, he's like, I've known you guys for twenty five years, and this is just so cool. Like to see you put out this album and you know all the stuff. It's it's really That's cool. Awesome. I really really enjoyed it, and I think like I said, if you're into Blink One A Two, it's worth a watch, and it's on YouTube. So great, go check that out and check out the album one more time and let me know what you think about it i'm i've giving it an earnest listen through um after watching this interview and it's definitely growing on me so um my initial reaction was like i like these two songs but now as i'm going through it i'm like i i I, there's there's more here than i initially gave it credit for so nice uh it's uh it's pretty good so i recommend it but good stuff well, that being said, thank you all for hanging out with us. Uh, again, apologies for no video, but, uh, you know, life demands what it demands. You know, blood for the blood god, skulls for the skull throne. Um, and be sure to check us out on all of our social media. And by all social media, I mean TikTok and Instagram at MindGapPodcast. You can email us at MindGapPodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash MindGapPodcast. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Check the description for access to our Discord, to our merch at Redbubble, and, of course, patreon.com slash MindGapPodcast. And Justin is also digitally available online as well. On Instagram, at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It's the fun way of spelling it. While you're in the online realm, check us out on any platform where you can find and consume quality podcasts. On there, share, subscribe, rate, review, all those things. The big one is sharing because it is caring. And then TuiStaith.com, TuiStaith on all social media, to, uh, Love and Improv Film.com, and Love and Improv Film on Instagram. Hooah! Uh, thank you all for hanging out with us uh, we appreciate you we love you and with that I'll say Justin thank you Douglas thank you to uh, I guess just listeners this week and people watching and listening on YouTube thank you and you all have a dandy fucking week Mind Gap Podcast